Welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. The crossroads where culture, lifestyle, and community meet. All hosted by the legendary New York radio TV personality and proud Harlem American, G. Keith Alexander. Hey, well, thank you so very, very much. And uh, welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. Wherever you are, I appreciate you. And... uh, for joining our neighborhood and hanging out with us here in Harlem, America. So today in the What's Hot Spotlight is Deanna Williams. She's a true pioneer in the music industry. The Museum of Broadcast Communications has just nominated her for the Radio Hall of Fame 2023. Her nomination is a testament to her influential contributions to radio and broadcasting, her tireless advocacy for Black music, but most of all, She's the co-creator of Black Music Month. So it is my distinct honor and pleasure to say Deanna Williams is what's hot. How are you? I am great. It's so wonderful to see you, Keith. We were just, before we went on the air, we were talking about our mutual people who were instrumental in our lengthy careers. You and I have been in the game for about the same time. I'm celebrating 50 years. How about you? Cheese and crackers, 50 years. Well, let me say, yeah, about a little bit, about 53 maybe. But what you may not remember is, and I, you know, take a little credit for your success, maybe about four hours worth. One day you came into my studio and you sat in my studio for about four hours and watched me do my air shift. And then you went down to DC some period after that and became Ebony Moonbeams. Wow. Well, how about I don't remember that, but I take your word for it because my long term <laughs> and short term memory is so bad. But you know, when you say 53 years, I'm not counting mm-hmm. college. And I used to sit in for a gentleman named Rob Crocker on WBA. Oh, yeah, Rob. Rob Crocker. Rob and I worked at RVR together. Okay, well, Rob was on WBAI, which is a Pacifica station. It was at the time, I believe it still is a listener supported station. And yes. when he took off, I would sit in for him. So Rob Crocker for sure gets credit early in my career. And um, I'm not counting those years. So Keith, <laughs> I think if I count the college years, WBAI. I may have 53 in there as well with you. Get down. Well, hey, it is good to see you. So what I'd like to do is, as I ask all of my guests, let us take the Wayback Machine and go back and you tell us what it was like growing up as little Deanna Williams. Oh, growing up as little Deanna Williams was so much fun. I'm an only child, but I had a lot of cousins. I'm Puerto Rican on my mother's side, uh, Black on my father's side. So I had the cousins to make up for not having siblings. But little Deanna Williams, I was born in Queens at the St. Albans Naval Hospital, taken out of the borough immediately to the Bronx, which was where my family lived at the time. And then uh, we moved to Puerto Rico for a period of time when I was maybe about nine. And then going into my teenage years, we moved to Harlem. And that was for me the formative experience of my life because I was exposed to black culture in a way that Harlem, that can only happen in Harlem, USA, <laughs> not Morris Park, the Apollo Theater. I mean, these were the places that I frequented as a young woman 
that really exposed me culturally to just about everything. Uh, they say, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. And that is so true because New York is, it's tough. So coming from the Bronx uh, and then moving to Harlem, it was mm -hmm. a cultural mecca and it afforded me an opportunity to meet people from all cultures. And of course, New York being the Big Apple, it was a wonderful experience. So music, I would go back and just say that I heard WABC, The Good Guys. My father loved music. So we were blasting the radio all the time in our home. And then WWRL, which is the Black AM station that right. Black folks grew up listening to in the city. Those two radio stations really just made a tremendous impact on me and led me to my ultimate path as an adult. And that was being on the radio and television. So, all right. So then um, we, you went to um, the uh, city of New York uh, University, uh, City University of New York. And there you got into college radio and you were a music director, played jazz. Uh, how did, oh, and you were influenced as a woman by Vi Higginson, who I worked with at WBLS when we first started WBLS. Uh, she was on Midday, so you were influenced by her. Uh, and so how did you get your foot into professional radio? So as I mentioned, I was sitting in for Rob Crocker on WBAI, so that gave me bigger, larger radio experience. But it really was at WCCR, an AM courier, carrier courier station, current station, that was in the heart of Harlem. So I wound up being able to communicate with a larger, broader audience. And that experience in college helped me enormously. It was a gentleman by the name of Van J. McDuffie, who was Van on- Van J., I worked for him. He hired me. Yes, he was overnights at WRVR. And it was there that he did my air check that led me to my first paid job with benefits at 96.3 WHUR. So forever grateful to Rob Crocker, to Van J. McDuffie for seeing something in me, seeing something in me that I saw in myself, which was talent. Mm -hmm. And that's why I dropped out of City College after two years and I accepted the job at 96.3 WHUR in the nation's capital. WHUR, very similar to BLS, very similar to WDAS. These stations were, so you figure BLS in New York, 90 miles away, Philadelphia, and then another maybe 100 something miles away, DC. These stations all informed one another. Because if you heard one, you were like, oh, am I listening to BLS? Oh, <laughs> they liberally borrowed from each other. So, yes. Well, wonderful. Now, so uh, I did not know that when I left WBLS to go to Chicago to help launch WGCI, that you got a call from Frankie to come to WBLS. Tell, tell me that story. Well, when I first started in D.C., I did late nights. I did eight to midnight. And that's where Ebony Moonbeams was fully born as a, my radio handle. But Frankie then called me when I was moved to daytime. I did middays at 96.3 WHUR. And he called me on the hotline. 
And he was like, Deanna Williams. I'm like, yes. He said, Frankie Crocker. I was like, okay, Frankie Crocker comes calling. He offered me a job first in St. Louis. My mother and I went to visit St. Louis and we just didn't feel that it was my speed. Um, <laughs> in Harlem, I grew up in a very fast paced community. And then uh, he called back and offered me a job in Chicago. I, I'm assuming it was GCI because he was a mm-hmm. consultant. And that didn't happen. And then the third final call on the hotline was come to New York, come to BLS. And of course, who doesn't want to be on in the number one market for communications, television, radio, whatever? It is New York City. And at that time, BLS was the number one station in radio. Beating That's out right. you know, WINS, the all news station, beating out everything. It was WBLS, um, which was black owned. We shared Dorothy Brunson was a mm-hmm. black woman general manager. In fact, Keith, a little known Deanna Williams fact, I was the first woman to get pregnant at inner city broadcasting. Mm-hmm. Really? First woman to get pregnant inner city was owned by Percy Sutton, the former lawyer of Malcolm X and the former borough president of Manhattan. Wonderful. I called him the chairman, as most people That's did. That's right. That's um, right. It was respectfully his name. And, uh, but yeah, uh, uh, when I announced that I was pregnant, uh, my first child with Kenny Gamble, who was then a very noted songwriter, producer, one of the architects with his partners, Tom Bell and Leon Huff of The Sound of Philadelphia, Um, They told me that I needed to take my vacation and sick days to have my baby. But as you know, Keith, we were a a union station very early. Right. WBLS was a union station. And when Mm -hmm. I came with the union, they were like, no, you have four months maternity leave without pay. And your job is supposed to be there when you come back. So no sick leave, no vacation. I was like, how is this another woman telling me? to use sick leave and vacation. I wasn't sick. I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the 70s. And women did not still have a lot of respect and regard and appreciation. Uh, and there were not laws to protect women like there are now. So I took my four months pr- pregnancy leave and I did not go back. But yes, mm-hmm. I was the first woman broadcasting oh. to test the pregnancy rules. So, all right. So, this should be a plaque uh, for you at WBLS. The first That's woman, the first woman to get pregnant at WBLS. Wow. <laughs> Let's get that going, Keith. Let's get it. How about that? Well, hey, we, we'll have to lobby for that. Hey, now, now you mentioned, and we were gonna. I was gonna bring it up uh, anyway, but since you mentioned it, um, Kenny Gamble. Uh, for some of the folks who are listening from overseas and, and other places uh, who might not be familiar with uh, Black culture as much, uh, list me two or three of the, the big songs that Kenny Gamble and Tom uh, and, 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 uh, Tom Bell wrote. Well, Gamble's primary partner was Leon A. Huff. Um, Gamble, Huff, and Bell were partners in their companies, and they all shared in each other's work um, profits from their songs that they wrote. But some of the songs that people might know would be the OJ's Love Train. People all over the world join in, join mm-hmm. for the Love Train. And then those who watch Don Cornelius and Soul Train, the famous theme song to the Soul Train <laughs> TV show, which we would all <laughs> on 
Saturdays was the three degrees with MFSB. Let's get it on. It's time to get down. Um, The theme was another one. And I mean, the three degrees. When will I see you again? I can't sing. Patty, the blue balls. Um, uh, you'll never find another love like mine. Um, they wrote that one for, for Lou Rawls? Wrote that for, they produced and wrote that for Lou Rawls. Oh, I didn't know that. He, they wow. revived his career because he was a big blues R&B singer in the, in the 60s. He had Love is a Hurting Thing, lots of great songs. But when Gamble and Huff got a hold to Lou Rawls, they gave him his number one song that became a signature song for him and that was just yes. find another love like mine you'll never find all of that was written by gamble and huff yeah Humbell did the spinners and the stylistics and the great linda creed tom bell uh, union combination gave us songs like bet you by golly wow uh from the stylistics um people make the world go round wow linda creed but gamble and huff did the ojs um, Patty LaBelle, Love and Need and Want You. I mean, just Phyllis Hyman, Old Friend, The List is Long, Gene Carn, um, Don't Let It Go to Your Head, Billy Paul, Me and Mrs. Jones, another really renowned song that was written by Gamble and Huff. So, all right. So now let me uh, ask you this, okay? And this might be a little personal, but uh, uh, you, you told me nothing was off limits. <laughs> Can you name a a song or two that perhaps you were the inspiration for. And the OJ's Darling, Darling Baby, another great song that a lot of people don't know. It's maybe because it was on the Teddy Pendergrass live Coast to Coast album. And it's by Teddy. And the song is called It's You I Love, uh, which is one of my favorites. And it depicts my beautiful romance with Kenny Gamble. Um, many years ago, we had three beautiful children, Khalif, uh, Issa Saladin, and our daughter, Princess Idea. So uh, mm. beautiful love songs. And Gamble wrote a song for our firstborn when I was at BLS, and it was done by Billy Paul. The song is called Let's Make a Baby, and that was an honor mm, of us. Really? That was right, written for <laughs> Gamble. Yeah. You're bringing back all these memories uh, that, uh, you know, I, I've played so many songs over the years that sometimes I can't remember who wrote what, you know, and all that. But but OK, so. It must be a wonderful feeling to, to, to feel as though someone is 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 honoring you through song. And you know that every time you hear that song on the radio, that it that you are the inspiration for it. What was that like? Do you have any anecdotes about about those feelings, or are you talking to your girlfriends and and telling them, you know, ways that you felt about these songs? You know, it was their documentations of a great romance and beautiful love affair. Like I said, um, when the moment I laid eyes on Kenny Gamble, I was struck. It was when you hear that expression, love at first sight. And we were friends for about a year. I I was way too shy. That Stevie Wonder song, Too Shy to Say. Mm -hmm. I was too shy to say. I didn't know what his status was. And, you know, it was before the Internet. It was Jet and Ebony. That's how we got our basic information about celebrities and well-known people. But we became friends and we cemented 
our relationship and friendship before anything romantic transpired. But it was wonderful. And it's still wonderful. I played those same songs, Keith. Yes, you did. Um, right. <laughs> on the radio playing the songs that I believe were, you know, written and inspired for me that were told that were written and inspired by me. So it was beautiful. It still is. When I hear the song, if I'm in the car and I hear the songs that I know are mine, I turn up the radio and I smile broadly. And I fondly remember the tenderness of my romance with this man who is still one of my dearest friends. He just called. He called twice before we were about to go on the air. And he is uh, the patriarch of my family still. We have not been together in over 40 years. He is currently married to Fatima Gamble. They've been together for a lot since he and I split up. And uh, he's family, though. Family and dear friend. And thanks for those beautiful love songs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's beautiful. Well, look here, Deanna. Uh, we have about a minute uh, before uh, we take a short break. and. Uh, I really feel honored to to have you on. And a little bit later, we're going to talk about how you and and Kenny and uh, I think one other person uh, got the concept for Black Music Month. And uh, because I'm sure folks uh, would really like to know how that came about and how today there's been some controversy over the last few years about it. Uh, but we'll we'll talk about that. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. And I'm with the mother of Black Music Month, Ms. Deanna Williams. She's a uh, nationally known radio personality, TV personality, and uh, she has uh, been an advocacy for Black music for a long time. And we'll talk more about that and her in a few short shakes. Don't go away. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint of heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. Listening to Harlem America. I love it a lot. For entertainment. Check it out. Check it out. Empowerment and health and wellness. Harlem America. The home of Glasso Smart Water is Harlem America. Harlem America. Where Coca-Cola is helping you enjoy less sugar. You're listening to Harlem America, talking to the world from the heart and soul of New York. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. 
Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Thank you, Kever. So uh, what Kever didn't tell you was you can go to harlemamerica.com where this month we've got a tribute to Black Music Month and a tribute to uh, Miss Tina Turner, the Queen. And we also have a playlist to honor the 50 years of hip hop. Uh, you'll find some original hip hop as well as some current hip hop on that playlist. So please go to HarlemAmerica.com. Right now, we are with my friend from years ago, and also she's a radio legend, uh, Miss Deanna Williams. So, Deanna, we were talking about um, your wonderful, beautiful romance, and I'm sure listeners, you know, uh, envy that uh, having a romance and having songs written about you and and uh you know being able to sit there and play all these songs while you're on the air knowing that uh, hey yeah that one's you know for me uh you know but anyway <laughs> uh so we want to talk now about you just came back from the white house uh, a couple of days ago yeah tell us why you just came back from the white house well, Keith, I was invited to the inaugural Juneteenth celebration. As many may know, President Biden was the American president that signed Juneteenth into law to make it a federal holiday. And the first inaugural celebration happened a week or so before. I'm assuming, you know, the president and vice president were both there. They have pretty hectic schedules, but they have over, they had about a thousand people on the South Lawn of the White House uh, to celebrate and recognize and commemorate this important recognition of the entire emancipation of people who have been enslaved in the United States. And additionally, President Biden mentioned that June is Black Music Month. So forever, the celebration of Juneteenth happens in the middle of the month of, of June Black Music Month, conceived uh, by Kenny Gamble when we were a couple. And I worked with him and further um, Ed Wright, who was a DJ from Cleveland, very involved with getting the National Association of Television and Radio Artists to support the Black Music Association's efforts to get Black music some more respect and recognition, not just as a cultural entity, but as a multi-billion dollar business. Billions, not millions, Keith, you know that. People don't tend to think of Black music as an industry, but it is an industry that also informs fashion, language, dance. Name, name a strata of life. Black music has touched it. And Black music being original 
art forms developed right here in the United States of America, from spirituals to gospels, to the blues, to jazz, to Black American music, to R&B, to hip soul, to subgenres. It all happened right here, created by Black folks and enjoyed by Americans of all hues and religious beliefs, economic stratas, and human beings all over the planet. Well, you certainly have hit hit on it. Uh, so when uh, when the first concept, the inkling of you know what, there should be a month for Black music. How did that come about? Kenny Gamble went to Nashville, Tennessee for a visit and observed that the Country Music Association was galvanizing the songwriters, the producers, the engineers, the radio personalities, the TV personalities, the journalists, any and everybody, especially the all-important consumers. And at the time, he had established the Black Music Association, an entity very much inspired by Country Music Association to do the same, to bring about all the different people who worked in the industry together to support Stronger with more numbers, stronger together as opposed to splintered and separated. So it was a visit to Nashville, October's mm-hmm. Country Music uh, Month. And um, Clarence Avant, who is known in the industry as the Godfather, had relations Avant, yeah. Yes, with the Carter administration and the White House. So mm-hmm. he started making some phone calls on behalf of the Black Music Association asking President Carter to designate June as Black Music Month, which Jimmy Carter did. June 7th, 1979, I was there with Gamble on the lawn of the White House where I happened to be the other day for the Juneteenth celebration. And President Carter said, June is Black Music Month. So we are now in our 44th year. However, Keith, when I wrote President Clinton in the late 1990s, asking him, to host a similar event, the White House informed me that President Carter had not signed a presidential proclamation. I was like, wait, what? We've been celebrating it, but we celebrated it nonetheless. We didn't know, Mm -hmm. assumed because President Carter said June is Black Music Month, that we were celebrating something that he had designated at the encouragement of Gamble, Ed Wright, the Black Music Association, and myself. So then the White House said, get some legislation, come back to us, and President Clinton will sign a presidential proclamation, and every American president after him will do the same. Took me a couple of years. I wrote the basic draft. The Congress, the White House of Representatives, put it in the whereas form, and Congress Mm -hmm. shot at the top from Philadelphia introduced the legislation. It passed. I also have the support of Republican Senator Arlen Specter, who wrote the president on my behalf. And then I was invited to a private meeting in the Oval Office with President Clinton, where he acknowledged June Black Music Month. And every president since has done it. <coughs> wow. When Barack Obama came into office, they mm-hmm. changed the name of Black Music Month to African American Music Appreciation Month. And Gamble and I were like, that was 2008. We were like, Mm -hmm. no, that's not what we named it. So I have been writing the White House, petitioning them for many years. 
And May 31st, I received an email from Erica Lowe from the White House with the proclamation from President Joe Biden, who I have been petitioning as well mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. institute the name, and it is back to Black Music Month. Yay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in a big round of applause for <laughs> the mother of Black Music Month. I see now why you have that moniker. Okay, all of your advocacy and writing. Boy, cheese and crackers. How many letters do you think you, you've written over the oh, years? Keith, listen, I lost track. I was writing letters, sending um, FedEx, writing emails. It was incredible. But I will say this. This should be an inspiration to people. Persistency is one of the keys to success in life. And I was never deterred by the nose. I was heartbroken during the eight years that the Obama administration was in office happy because I love President Obama, but saddened that every June they would release a press release, a press release and a proclamation that said African American Music Appreciation Month. Gamble and I were like, oh gosh. But this year was a moment of great joy, jubilant to be able to call Gamble and say, we got the name restored. Thank you, President Biden. And the other day at the Juneteenth event, President Biden said, Juneteenth in Black Music Month. And I just want to fall off my chair. Some people would be like, well, why is it so important? What we name and call things has value. And the name that we gave it to it was Black Music Month. We're not, we're not diluting it. And, and am I offended by African-American music reference? No. But we just we decided that Black Excuse Music me. Month, and that's what it is again. So thank you to Erica Lowe. Thank you to President Biden for restoring the name that we created. We were confused as people also because, you know, one time we're calling it Black Music Month, and the next thing is African-American Music Month. And then, you know, <laughs> did... did did President Obama, in his um, with good intentions, did he ever explain to you why he changed it? Never got a chance to speak to him about it. And perhaps he did it or someone in the, I don't know how the change happened. I just know that it's now changed back to what it should be. And I pray it stays that way as long as I'm alive. Uh, at one point, the White House wrote me back and they said, Deanna, we have all your messages. <laughs> I woke up and I saw that. I was like, is that like, don't write us anymore? I laughed when I got it because I was like, but you know, my best friend is Kathy Hughes and she applied mm-hmm. for a bank loan to buy her first station. She was turned down 32 times. In- when I think of my best friend who is a boss and Jeez. has developed Urban One, which is one of the largest broadcast companies in the world 32 times she was told no no imagine applying for a loan 32 times 33rd time a puerto rican woman said yes and the woman Mm -hmm. i just found this out last week she had only been on the job like maybe a week or so when she gave kathy the yes for a loan for to buy what is now her empire so my little nose, all the years that I got nose or no answers or no responses, um, I'm just perseverant. I'm a perseverant. 
<laughs> so I'm happy to say wow. it's Back to Black Music Month, and so is Kenny Gamble. And uh, happy Black Music Month to you, Keith, because you are oh, thank you. people that we celebrate. And people are like, why do we need a month? Well, first of all, I'm encouraging people to celebrate Black music and culture every single day. But it's a highlighted, concentrated period of time where I get to see it, say to you, um, Keith Alexander, thank you so much for your many years of playing our music, promoting our music, sharing news and information about our music makers to our community. You are part of why we acknowledge and celebrate June Black Music Month, FYI. Well, well, thank you for that. I am humbled and honored because of uh, who you are and what you've done for the culture and and being the the you for, for to me you'll ever you forever be the mother of Black Music Month. And uh, so thank you so much and and thank you for coming on during this month too. It's very important to to uh, to have you on. I'm so uh, proud of you because again, you and I we we already said 53 years in the game, right? We are good and grown, but we are devoted servants of our community. You cover our community, you highlight and celebrate and inspire our community with people that you bring on your show. So I am happy as we talk about my initial uh, inspiration by Higginson, who I just adore and you worked with. And I've had an opportunity to say to her, thank you for your service. Look, she has given us theater arts and she That's is right. still rooted in Harlem. Um, and for me as a woman early in the game, her voice inspired me to want to pursue and develop my style very much based on the, the familiar style of, of uh, Vi Higginson. Of course, there was also Lamar, Lamar Renee, who was on the air. But Lamar Renee. Lamar Renee. But I gravitated towards Vi. It was more, she was more intrinsic in my personality. She just felt like a better fit. So, and mm. Frankie Crocker. We have Frankie Crocker, the dean of Black radio, of, I, I don't want to take out Black radio and just say American radio. He was one of the most mag magnetic, charming personalities ever to hit the airwaves of any color. And I say that confidently, and you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yes. Uh, I was the first one he hired at WBLS, and you and I and Vi and, and, and many others, we went to the the Frankie Crocker School of Broadcasting. That's where we got our start, you know, and uh, there's so many wonderful things that we could say about him, but most of all, we can say that uh, he established a, uh, a, the, uh, a genre of music called the, the urban contemporary form of music that people used to come from Europe and sit in a hotel with their little reel-to-reel uh, -reel, uh, tape recorders and tape the, 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 uh, uh, format and take it back to Europe and take it to other places in uh, around uh, our country, you know, other states, and they would try to duplicate WBLS. WBLS. Yeah. So we have a lot oh, yeah. to be proud of. We are graduates of Frankie Crocker University. Uh, mm -hmm. I cite. I will cite his name. And his belief, because think about it, he hired you, he hired me. He knew talent when he heard it. And if mm -hmm. I don't know anything else, I am a true, 
I have little radio veins in my veins, uh, <laughs> little radios and antennas in my vein. And he recognized mm. that in you and in me, in Vi and Lamar and J.D. Holiday, Felipe Luciano, Ken Spiderweb. I mean, Johnny he, Allen, uh, Johnny Allen, uh, Fred Bugs, who was his. Uh, yes. Was engineer. His, Fred was our engineer when, when we first started. Yeah. Fred was the Fred, engineer. Fred was engineer. And now look at him. He is still a radio talent in Philadelphia. So Frankie Crocker's legacy lives on through us, you with your show, you being the ambassador of Harlem, me, 50 years, radio, television, doing it all. We honor the legacy of Frankie Crocker. Right on with the right on. Boy, I tell you, do it, Frankie, do it to it. <laughs> so, uh, Deanna, uh, you know, uh, Music streaming platforms have transformed the way that we consume music now. From your perspective, uh, how have these digital platforms affected Black artists and their ability to reach wider audiences? Well, streaming, Keith, is the way now. I mean, there's still people who buy vinyl. I'm one of them. I love vinyl. I have a record player. But at the end of the day, it's the platforms, Apple, Spotify, Tidal, um, what am I leaving out? Apple, Spotify, I'm leaving out a few, but it's how- Pandora. 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 It's how people consume music for the most part. Even I am now on, I did a title takeover uh, yesterday and all through the month of June, I'm taking over title every 2 p.m. with playlists that I've created, the Ebony Moonbeams playlist. I did the 70s, 80s, 90s aired yesterday, the 2000s air next um, Thursday, and then the final week in June is a, it's just an aggregation of different genres of music. Uh, how it's changed it, it's changed it tremendously. You and I are analog people living in a digital world. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> we are, but we are very much in a digital world now. And it's, the genie is out of the bottle. It's not going back in. And so That's this right. is how consumers, for the most part, consume music these days. And for Black artists, they do not get compensated very well, nor do the white artists, but the white artists get streamed a little more, bigger numbers, so they're able to get a bigger check. Artists are paid a percentage, a very small percentage of a penny with streaming. And one of the biggest streaming artists happens to be Canadian. He is mixed. Uh, he's Black with a white mother, and that is Drake. He is one of the biggest mm. streamed artists. Then you've got the Taylor Swifts, the Beyonce's, the Rihanna's, the Jay-Z's. They are at the top tier of artists who make money, but independent artists, not so much uh, because they don't have the promotions and marketing and PR teams that major labels have for their artists. Uh, but yeah, it's a big change. And, you know, traditionally, Keith, you know this, Black artists have not been compensated properly. Back in the 50s, they would sign a record contract, sign over all of their rights, and they would get a Cadillac. Remember the movie? That's right. I remember. Hey, uh, Deanna, but before we go any further, uh, I must take a break real quick to uh, let people know that uh, we're here with Deanna Williams, and uh, we're on HarlemAmerica.com, uh, and we're uh, having a great time, but we'll be right back. Don't go away.
Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something that you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint at heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. Harlem, America. It's about Harlem. Harlem is my town. Carver Bank, where 80% of every dollar is reinvested in the community. Harlem, America, the home of Coca-Cola Zero. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Okay, so this is What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. And I want to remind you, you can go to harlemamerica.com. We've got some TV shows up there of some of the guests that we've uh, had on uh, the show, and we're going to be posting more. I know I've been a little lax, but uh, I've got many more uh, that uh, we, we want to post up there as well. And check out our Black Music Month tribute. Please go there. Okay, so uh, Deanna, um, you you are a busy woman. You you've done a lot. What do you have on your plate for the future? Oh no, before you can get there. Tell us some of the other things that you've been uh, doing, you know, some of the things that you uh, have skills in. Well, for the past 30 years, I have been doing artist development and media coaching, working principally with recording artists. I've worked with everyone from Rihanna to ASAP Rocky to Justin Bieber, Charlie Wilson, Mary Mary, a plethora of artists in all genres from um, gospel to jazz to hip hop and in between so that has been very rewarding. I love working with artists. And shout out to Mrs. Maxine Powell, who did artist development at Motown, a woman who I flew to Detroit and literally sat at her feet to hear stories about how she worked with the Miracles and Smokey Robinson and the Temptations and the Four Tops and the Stevie Wonder and Mary Wells and Martha Reeves and the Vandellas, all the great artists. So I help artists articulate the who, what, where, when, why, and how of their lives and their careers. But I've also worked with actresses and directors and CEOs. And so that is a a very profitable part of my business. My company is called Influence Entertainment. 
And under the banner of Influence Entertainment, we have also produced live concerts. I've worked with a gentleman named Pat Moran for 10 years. I co-produced the Marian Anderson Award. And mm-hmm. we honored everybody from Barry Gordy to Patti LaBelle to Gamble and Huff to John Bon Jovi. And so I love live producing and curating Wynton Marcellus. Um, just I love putting on live music. Again, all part of my advocacy for the upliftment of our culture and people. So July 1st, I'm one of the producers for the Wild Wild Welcome America Festival. And on July 1st, I'm producing a free concert for the PNC Arts Alive stage at uh, Broad and Locust in Philadelphia from 11 to 7 p.m. It is open to the community. Uh, My daughter is one of the artists, Princess Idea Gamble. She's singing along with Lady Alma, Helen oh. Brewer, Jones, um, just a great lineup of artists that I've curated. So doing that, um, working on a book with Laia St. Clair on her father, the great photographer Ron St. Clair. We are working on that book project right now, um, curating more art exhibitions. Uh, Diane Quander, who was a very talented songwriter who wrote Caught Up in the Rapture. She is on deck for me to do a um, exhibition of her fabulous paintings. And right now we're tentatively calling it Rapture. So I'm excited as I approach my 70th birthday and my 50th anniversary, uh, getting checks and health benefits uh, (laughs) in this industry. That's how I define it. Because before then, you know, with no checks and no health benefits. But I'm still doing radio. I'm on WURD-FM. It's Progressive Black Talk radio in Philadelphia, where I frequently guest host. And I'm still on TV on a show called Unsung on the One Network. I've been on the show since 2008, offering commentary about artists who I knew, that I know, that I've worked with, that I've had in my home. I've been in their homes. Uh, So I love still doing television, radio, still doing everything that we were doing 50 years ago, Keith, just doing it in a different different way it's it's beautiful and a blessing uh to be still be current and to to have people acknowledge the fact that we're still here is wonderful uh and it's uh, truly i believe that god's universe is conspiring in our favor and the best is yet to come I so agree. And I'm grateful to you for this opportunity, especially being a native Harlem. People forget because I've lived in Philly so long, but I always say it. I was bred in Harlem. I was, you know, the, 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 the fine tuning happened as a teenager in Harlem and my experience going to City College and Washington Heights. I want to credit there because I went to junior high school, 143 on 181st Street in Amsterdam. I went to high, junior high school with Larry Blackman, the founder of oh, Canada. Really? Yeah, so. Word up, word up. My, my, my upbringing in New York, Harlem in particular, has defined my experiences I've traveled around the world. So shout out to you for keeping Harlem on the map and in people's consciousness. The Harlem that I grew up in is not the same as it is now, but it's still always Harlem. I don't care how much gentrification has gone on. The heart, the DNA of that community is Black, Black culture. And so, yeah. Everyone is uh, trying to get to Harlem to to come and visit and see what it's like, and uh, and and things have changed. It's it's a beautiful place, 
And uh, what we try to do here at Harlem America is we're trying to connect Harlem with the Harlems of the world. And uh, so I, I want to thank you for, for, for recognizing the importance of Harlem America. Uh, so now I've got to turn the corner just a little bit and ask you, Deanna, do you have any regrets? Uh, anything, did you have to give up anything to become the Deanna Williams that we know today? Well, Keith, beautiful question. And no, I do not live life in regrets. I don't have any regrets. Everything is as it is supposed to be. And I'm grateful because I've had a very exciting life. I mean, I've met with American presidents, the um, two people that I wanted to meet in life, I got to meet and become friends. And one of those people was Gordon Parks. And the other person was mm -hmm. Deborah Willis, the great educator who was the head of um, the photography department at NYU um, Tisch. I, I've got to meet them. I'm just one other person. If you can introduce me, Keith, I'll be forever grateful. And that's Grace Jones. I want to meet Grace Jones. I feel like I had no Grace. I've okay. sat with Grace. Uh, I'll I'll see if I can work that out. Oh, I'm let's really... work that out. We worked that out. I'm yours <laughs> forever. So, but yeah, I haven't been in contact with her for a while. Work on that with me. I need to uh, meet Grace Jones before um, I leave or she leaves. But you know, my life is in service to our community. I love. I love our community. I live in North Philadelphia, which is a, a very Black community that's changing, much like Harlem has changed, but it's still in its roots and its core DNA, a Black community. So I am a servant of Black folks, our culture, my voice, my energies to recognize and shine a bright light on the contributions of people with melanin, um, and not to the exclusion because I love all my fellow human beings. I just happen to be a very proud Black woman who loves what we have created. And uh, I am an ambassador for getting it out to the world and letting people know that it is majestic, it is powerful, it is a force to be reckoned with, and uh, we influence global culture as well. Well, gee, what a show today. <laughs> Oh, Rocker to North Philadelphia, right? Oh, wow. Incredible. So what advice would you give uh, young people who would either want to uh, get into uh, radio or TV uh, or into uh, music? What advice would you give them? I would give the advice to young people to do their diligence, do their studying and their homework. Knowledge is power. The more information you have, the better it is. So young people today have access on their phones, on their laptops, to information on the internet. Back in the day, there weren't very many books on how to get in, but uh, use the resources that are free and available to you and find a mentor, someone he or she who is going to help guide you, navigate the currents of whatever part of the industry that you wish to be in. Uh, education is important. It doesn't not college is not necessarily for everyone. It took me over 20 years to get my degree. I dropped out of college with a college mother professor. And uh, needless to say, my mother was distraught when I dropped mm -hmm. out of college. But when Frankie Crocker hired me at WBLS, I was turning 21 and I was making more money than both my parents' salaries combined. So wow. follow the passion. Follow, you know, pursue your passion with 
as I mentioned, perseverance, diligence. It's what got the African-American Music Bill wrote. It's what got me into the White House for two private meetings with Bill Clinton. It's what got me recognized in the East um, um, Wing of the White House by President George W. Bush. It's what got the name of Black Music Month restored um, via proclamation to the American people from American presidents. Um, Be persistent. You know, find your tribe, people who are going to support and nurture you, and also keep it 100% real with you about your talents. I wanted to be a jazz musician, Keith. I studied at IS-201 um, in Billy Taylor, Dr. Billy Taylor's Jazzmobile program. Oh, really? Jimmy Heath. I studied flute at age 16, but I was terrible. I was not <laughs> going to be the next Bobby Humphrey. I was a failed musician that could not improvise. You cannot be a jazz musician if you cannot improvise. So no, Lizzo, I wasn't. But it was <laughs> learning and absorbing information. So learn as much as you can. Connect, respect your elders who have been in the game and who have done it. Talk to a G. Keith Alexander. Communicate with a Deanna Williams about pathways and get to doing it. Believe in yourself. Anything that the mind can conceive and believe you can achieve. So you got to believe in yourself and your talents and keep it real with your abilities and your lack thereof and go for it. Life is for living. Just, just go for it. Do not be fearful, be fearless in achieving. There you go. Write them down, write your goals down, whether longhand, I still write longhand because I'm old school, but it's all good in your phone or your computer do a set of goals and then figure out how to best achieve those goals. And when you do reward yourself, but getting a mentor, being in the environment where it happens. So so if you're in school, find out if there's a radio station, enroll, learn everything you can. If there's a TV station, enroll, take a class, learn and translate it into income and revenue for for yourself as you move forward in your life. You can do that. Well, that is very good advice, and I'm going to be one of the first to uh, to uh, purchase your your book when you finish <laughs> writing your book. <laughs> this has really been great, a wonderful experience. Uh, and Deanna, uh, if I can help you in any way, please let me know. And uh, I just want to thank you for coming out today. Uh, we're 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 getting ready to close out now, but ladies and gentlemen, you have heard it here on What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander, how Black Music Month came to an existence and all the songs that we love, uh, well, quite a few of the songs that we love. This woman was the inspiration for the songs, A Beautiful Romance with Kenny Gamble and uh, Deanna. It's been an honor. So thank you very, very much. Thank you. And I want to encourage everybody, visit the National Museum of African-American Music, Fifth and Broadway in Nashville, Tennessee. I am on the board. I love this institution. It is a contemporary His Story and Her Story Black Music Museum. Yes, Black music in Nashville with a strong history of gospel and rock and R&B. So please check out namam.org. That's N-M-A-A m.org and learn more about the museum support black music month and black music every single day thank you so much we must leave it 
we, we must leave it there. Our time's running out, but thank you. Have a great day and a better one tomorrow. Don't judge your brother or sister too harshly until you walk the mile in his or her shoes. I'm losing my breath. And remember, I'll see you next week, Friday at 1, 1 p.m. Thanks for listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. We'll be back next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 1 p.m. in New York on the Voice America Variety Channel and the Harlem America Digital Network. Thank you for listening.